Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Welcome back, Nicole. How are you today? I'm doing well, Chris. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. All right. So this topic, NSC, I know I know we talk about it quite a lot because it is, it is such an important topic. I honestly find it very fascinating because I remember going back in my graduate years. I know I always poke fun at, at my schools where we used to just feed straight corn back in the day, like crimped what? corn. Like, <laughs> just, I cringe now thinking about it because we have advanced so much in nutrition. But today's topic, specifically low NSC diets, who needs them? I guess my first question is to you is, is, is why do we keep talking about this? You know, because you're neck deep in the literature, the research that's going on. Why is this such an important topic? Part of the reason we keep talking about it is because our listeners keep asking about it. I mean, if I talk to our econ specialists, there's not a day goes by that they don't answer some sort of question around sugar and starch in the horse's diet. The fascinating thing is I think it kind of goes both directions. In some respects, you know, we get so focused on sugar and starch, we forget about holistically the diet. And then honestly, Chris, I still talk to people who are like, I feed straight out. So they're like, oh my God. Scrimped cord. We're rolling the dice here still. Um, so yeah, I think we, we've we learned a lot. I think horse owners as a group were way more educated on this topic. From a research standpoint, uh, there's still a lot we need to learn. So I think we're going to continue talking about it from that standpoint because there's always new things that we're learning about horses and sugar and starch in their diet. But ultimately, I think the main reason we keep talking about it is because, you know, this is something that horse owners are worried about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, rightfully so, too. I, I really think so because we do see it quite a bit. Now, when we're looking at low NSC, right, low sugar starch diets, who are we talking about? What, what type of horses are we talking about here? So I think the first question is like, what is low? And there's no firm answer to that. What horses we're talking about kind of a couple different groups. We are talking about the horse who has an underlying condition where more than very minimal amounts of sugar and starch in their diet is very detrimental to their health because of underlying disease processes. These are horses with equine metabolic syndrome. These are horses with PSSM type one. You know, then we are talking about horses like we've learned a lot about the impact of fetal programming. So we know the impact of higher sugar starch diets on the resulting foals from gestating mares. So we're looking at maybe more of a risk management, those, those mares, unless they also have a metabolic disease. It's not going to have like a drastic health impact specifically on the mare if we feed her that higher NSC diet, but can have some impacts on her foal. And then we have horses who like just might benefit from less sugar and starch in their diet. I mean, I think about horses who are hyperactive, horses who are prone to digestive upset. So there's kind of this continuum, right? There's a lot of horses. We can take it too far. I mean, in the healthy, high-performing horse, if I take out too much sugar and starch in their diet, I'm going to limit performance. So it, it's complicated because a lot of it's not black and white. And it's it's a little more black and white for horses with some of the metabolic diseases. But even there this whole concept of percent NSC, it, it means nothing by itself. So I always hesitate to say you need a diet under this percent because in, intake matters too. 
But ultimately, there's a lot of groups who can benefit from way lower than the traditional horse's diet. So when we go back to you in your youth feeding all that corn, <laughs> no horse no. needs straight no. corn, straight no. oats, the super sugary sweet feed of yesterday. Even the thoroughbred racehorse, I'm replacing part of the calories that come from sugar and starch with fat and fiber. And then it's continuing from there. All right. So you talked about the performance horses a little bit, but my this my whole question for this podcast came down to, all right, we're finding all these issues with sugars and starches and, and how many horses we did because of metabolic issues feeding that corn back in the day. Uh, uh, string budgets at universities. <laughs> but shouldn't most horses then just have low NSC diets? I mean, shouldn't we just go there? Sure, to a point. And I would say that's a foundational principle of the tribute line, right? Before I started, when they first looked at it, and we continue to make more lower NSC offerings. So as a group, I would say our offerings are lower NSC. Now they vary, right? Because horses have different needs. But I would say none of them, again, need straight oats, straight corn, old sticky sweet feed. So from that standpoint, I would say yes, we do want to feed them all lower NSC. Where we fall on that range depends a little bit on their job, though. So I think there's a lot of horses who are going should be moderate or below. The high-performance athlete, I mean, might need a tick more sugar and starch, but they do need a lower sugar and starch diet than the traditional diet of the horse. So I think it depends a little bit if we're talking about historically what we fed horses versus what's on the market today. I mean... Like I said, I will definitely limit performance of the high-performance athlete if I feed them, you know, seniority low NSC. That's 10% NSC. That is too low to replenish glycogen in a horse working multiple days in a row that has an intense job. Is that very appropriate for the senior horse, whether or not it has a metabolic condition? Sure. But a, a no NSC diet, no way. <laughs> right. Well, so... The and that's a good question because sometimes I get that question. Like, what can I feed them that has zero sugar starch? And nothing. Straight fat. That is the only feed ingredient that doesn't have some sugar fat, uh, sugar starch. And you know what? You cannot feed a horse just fat. So their forage has primarily sugar, a little bit of starch. Every single concentrate you feed, whether it's a ration balancer or a full intake feed, has some amount of sugar and starch. Now we have ingredients that are less concentrated in sugar and starch. So we are making products, concentrates, that are lower NSC, the seniority low NSC, your calm and easy, your essential K. None of them are zero, though. And frankly, sometimes there's advertising that leads people to believe that it isn't really there, and that's not true because it simply can't exist. Right, and the horse couldn't exist without NSC and its diet. Like, we all need it. It's just at what level, right? Mm-hmm. So what, so what does a low NSC diet look like? You mentioned some products, but if we look at like the forages, should we be concerned with certain forages or not? And then looking at the concentrates, I will say advancements in formulation, like you talked about some of the tribute line of feeds that are low in NSC have really changed a lot, right? To that sweet sticky feed that we used to feed of yesteryear. So I guess Overall, big picture, what are we looking at? Like a low NSC diet. I have a horse that needs that. What should I be looking for? Sure. So forage is a little easier, right? Because your intake's big. So we've kind of set some guardrails on forage such that lower NSC, you know, 10% is like your ideal for the horse who has metabolic conditions. 
we can usually use a 12% forage if we can manage their forage intake a little bit. Um, slow feed nets, multiple eat meals. So horses with, you know, insulin resistance, equine metabolic syndrome, PSSM type 1, they all benefit from that very low NSE forage. And in forage, we're looking at the combination of starch, pretty darn low, right? And then simple sugars plus fructans. So that's WSC, water-soluble carbohydrates. So the combination of WSC plus starch is what we are looking at in our forages. I would say very rarely do I see like a crazy high NSC forage. I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but I mean, oftentimes the tests I'm looking at, many of them are appropriate from the get-go. Sometimes we'll see ones that are 14 or 15% NSC, which would be you know, generally fine for your average healthy horse. No issues there. Concentrates, however, gosh. So (laughs) I know people desperately want a guardrail, right? The challenge is that we can dramatically change the grams of NSC a horse eats per meal or, you know, pounds of NSC a horse eats per meal by changing the calorie concentration of that feed. So I might have two feeds. One is 15% 15% NSC. In this case, we're looking at starch plus ethanol soluble carbohydrates, ESC. And I might have one feed that's 20% NSC. But if I double the amount of fat, you know, when I go for my 15% NSC, let's make it a 6% fat, and I make my 20% NSC a 12% fat, well, now I'm dramatically decreasing the quantity I need to feed of the 20% NSC. So I might reduce NSC intake or keep it the same. So I always encourage people to think beyond just the percentage. I would say as an industry for a long time, we called anything under 20% NSC a low NSC product. I would say as we've learned more about how many horses need these products, you know, really 15% or less, keeping in mind fat concentration um, is what we would consider low. Anything probably 12% and below on a concentrate, I'd consider an ultra low NSC concentrate. Frankly, it is difficult with the type of feed ingredients we have available to us, what they cost, and frankly, how they turn into a pellet. It's difficult to get lower than. So, you know, those ultra low NSE concentrates are going to be in that 10, 12%. And then the key there is, you know, I guess maybe I can make them lower if I put a bunch of like undigestible filler in there, but like, I don't want to do that. I want to use good quality ingredients otherwise. So those are some like really rough guardrails, but I I always encourage people to look beyond just the percentage and like, we're happy to help you do that math. Uh, But, you know, I'd say senior sort, for example, I'm not going to feed that to my insulin resistant horse per se, but very appropriate for lots of horses who need calories plus a lower NSC diet. And it's 16 and a half percent NSC, but it's 10% fat. So I don't have to feed as much of it. So it's a challenging question to answer. And I think anyone that is putting firm guardrails on that, frankly, that's not realistic. I think they're putting guardrails on it because it makes people feel better to have firm numbers. And it's okay to say it depends. Do we have some research that looks at quantity per meal? Yeah, absolutely. So for the healthy horse, if we keep that meal size less than one pound of NSC in the meal, so we multiply out, you know, I feed them five pounds, it's 25% NSC, all of that. Generally, you don't see a big spike in glucose and insulin post-meal if you keep it less than one pound. When we get to those horses who have underlying metabolic conditions, we need to keep it at a half or even a quarter pound of NSC per meal. 
to prevent those big spikes in glucose and then insulin. And that's what causes your metabolic issues. It's the insulin response after the meal that doesn't happen appropriately. So, you know, we can think about it more scientifically that way, but that's not a number I can slap on the bag because intake varies. Well, listening to you talk about it, it's very much up to that individual horse, right? When you're looking at this, you can't say, oh, well, okay, broad brush, you have have this issue here, this forage, this concentrate, right? You have to look at the hay sample and what are you feeding them and then come up with the diet, right? It just sounds, it just sounds like there's no one band-aid for all of this, right? Oh, absolutely. And I say these are these are not light switch diseases. Mm-hmm. So if we look at horses with insulin resistance, even on the same diet, and actually right before we talked, I just got done looking at a really cool research study we did. And in part of what we looked at was insulin response. And you look at in this group of insulin resistant horses, it's a continuum. So horses are categorized as insulin resistant based on, you know, some laboratory measures in their blood. But if you look within that group, there's a huge continuum of how they respond to sugar and starch in their diet and, you know, how they respond to challenges. So if we really push them, you know, some have a more amplified response than others. And we're learning that there's more underlying mechanisms to that. But ultimately, what I always say is it's risk management. So if your horse needs a low NSC diet, in the case of the insulin resistant horse, we're going to design a diet that best mitigates your risk of having a laminitic event But because it is not a light switch disease, where if I automatically cross this barrier, they're going to have an event. Some will be okay. Some won't. It might depend on some other external pressures. Do they have PPID? What is their ACTH due to the time of year? All that stuff. Um, Ultimately, diet in this, it's risk management. So it's it's challenging because, again, there's not as firm of guardrails there. Even within the groups we know need an ultra low NSC diet, there's incredible amounts of horse to horse variability. So I, I wanted to ask you too, and I, and I think I know the answer, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, treats are—are are you worried about at all the the sugar starch content of of treats like peppermints or something that that you may feed a horse? Yeah. So one treat, not really, right? <laughs> one peppermint is not going to spike their yeah. blood glucose. Now, if you're feeding lots of treats, yeah, no we got to have yeah. a talk. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so right, because again, like. Corn is an example. Corn is 75% sugar and starch. So if I fed a pony who's wildly insulin resistant, one kernel of corn, nothing bad would happen. It would be. If I fed it a five gallon bucket of corn, I will kill the pony. But they're both 75% NSC. So again, I think as a horse owner, like treats, it's something a lot of times we feel good doing. Sometimes you're using it in like a training capacity for some positive reinforcement. That's okay as long as we're mindful. We keep the levels low. If you're using more treats, you look for some of those low NSC treats out there. But no, one treat, totally. Yeah, so I figured. It's quantity. <laughs> so, all right. Well, overall, any final advice? I mean, again, like I said, very comprehensive. Gives people a lot to think about. But any final advice for, for these horses that might require a, a low NSC diet? Well, I guess I'll just like real briefly, definitively list like what horses need low NSC. Because mm-hmm. I think that was the topic of this podcast. Yes, I've yes, gotten yes. all philosophical today. Yeah. So ultimately, what horses definitely need it? Uh, those with underlying metabolic conditions. So those are going to be your insulin resistant horses. 
Many of your horse's Cushing's or PPID are insulin resistant, but not all of them. But we often just treat them as if they are from a risk management standpoint. Your horses with PSSM type 1 uh, definitely need that ultra low NSC diet. We've done a whole podcast on that. I'd like to see all of our reproducing mares on a lower. I don't have to go quite as intensely low as a horse with a metabolic condition, but I know high NSC increases the risk of developmental orthopedic disorders. So I'd like to see all of those mares on a pellet that is lower NSC. And then, frankly, any horse who I am using in a discipline that likes them to be at a heavier body condition. So realistically, we know that body condition four to six is our healthy range. We know that obesity increases the likelihood of development of insulin resistance. There's super cool research, though, that shows if you make a horse fat on high sugar and starch, it dramatically increases the risk of insulin resistance. If you make a horse fat on low NSC, higher fat and fiber, much lower risk. So if I'm conditioning a horse for the show pen in a discipline that frankly just likes to see them carry more weight, I want to do it on a lower NSC product, even though that horse is healthy today. It's long-term risk management. And then finally, any of those critters that are hyperactive, anything like that, I'm going to look to bring the sugar and starch down. Let's have a more rideable critter. (laughs) After that, none of them need that super high NSC stuff. So we're looking at the moderate range for the healthy, high-performance animal whether we're talking about the upper level eventer, the racehorse, none of those need super high NSE. So all of them need lower, but they don't need to go as far down on that gradient as some of those other horses. So ultimately, do I think in a sense, all horses need a lower NSE diet? Yes, as it relates to historical diets, where they fall in that gradient is so individual. Yeah, no, yeah. And, and if, again, if you are having trouble, difficulty, you know, free consultation, the link's in the show notes. Or you can also go to tributeequinenutrition.com, check out the website, links there, or you can join us on Facebook or Instagram, Tribute Equine Nutrition. So great stuff, Nicole. I, I, I know this topic, it does come up. You see it, you see it in message boards, yeah, lots of articles out there on this and a lot of research being done about this. So thank you very much. Good talk today. Thanks so much, Chris.